Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello everyone. Joining us today, we have Chris Garibaldi, the former director of the National Horse Racing Museum at Palace House Newmarket, to talk about the day Queen Elizabeth II came to Newmarket to officially open the new museum in November 2016. Thanks for joining me, Chris. Pleasure. I've got to start, Chris, by asking you, what does Thursday the 3rd of November mean to you? Well, at the risk of sounding slightly corny, sort of engraved on my heart. I mean, it was the most incredible uh, day, um, the result of so much sort of planning and uh, forethought and, and care. And then we woke up, apart from anything else, you're always worried about the weather in these situations. We woke up to the most beautiful, glorious, sunny day. Um, and it was just an, a, a magical experience for, for everybody who'd been involved in, in, in the project. And but particularly special for I, I was in the very, very privileged position of spending the whole hour, hour and a bit that the Queen uh, spent at the museum with her, walking her around with Peter Jensen, the um, chairman of the uh, trustees. Um, and it was an extraordinary day. Well, thanks for that. I'd like to start by talking about the planning for the day. Uh, you were appointed the director of the National Horse Racing Museum in 2010 when the museum was on the high street in Newmarket. But how soon did you start on the museum's move to the new site in Palace Street in Newmarket? Well, absolutely immediately, because in fact, some of the plans to um, move the museum to its new site were, were largely in, in, in place. That decision had been made. So I was specifically employed to help make that happen because I'd had experience of a large uh, capital redevelopment at Norwich Castle Museum when I was uh, Keeper of Decorative Arts up, up there a few years earlier. And the trustees were looking for someone who had both museum and curatorial experience and at the same time had, had been involved in a large capital uh, redevelopment. Um, and funnily enough, I, as a result, I came to the job actually with very little knowledge or experience of horse racing. And it was a bit of a steep learning curve when I had to marshal an awful lot of information very, very quickly about horse racing. Um, but I think I got there. I mean, some people probably think I haven't, but I, I, I made the best stab I could of it. You were moving to an historic racing yard at Palace House Stables, uh, which were last uh, used in the 1985 season by Bruce Hobbs. It must have been a a very big project, both financially and structurally. Yes, I mean, it, it was huge. I mean, the, the, the stable complex was absolutely magical for a number of reasons. Firstly, it had been um, derelict for a number of years. 
Um, very sadly, the trainer's house had been arson, subject to arson, and had been burnt out. And so the site was protected and closed off. But essentially, it was and is five acres right in the heart of Newmarket, which included the um, last remaining element of Charles II's racing palace in, in the town. Um, and uh, when one went in at that stage, I mean, one walked into a, a, a ruin in the case of the trainer's house and, and the stables, but it was incredibly evocative, absolutely magical. And, and it was an extraordinary privilege, actually, to be part of a project that brought that back to life. And most importantly, perhaps because of Newmarket being the centre of horse racing uh, nationally and, and, and internationally, was to put uh, racehorses back in one of the yards. So to combine with the retraining of racehorses charity to have live horses as part of the visitor experience, because that's what people want. They want to meet a horse. I mean, that was true of, of, of Her Majesty the Queen as well. And as the Queen was the patron of the museum, she actually opened the old museum in 1983. Was she always the person you wanted to open the new museum? Oh, yes, absolutely. absolutely. As you say, she had opened the original museum um, almost sort of 30 years uh, earlier. And everybody knows her, her, her uh, profound personal interest in horse racing and her connections with, with Newmarket. So uh, also, obviously, as the patron of the museum, uh, she was the obvious person uh, to ask. And we had our sort of fingers firmly uh, crossed. But of course, with any large um, redevelopment project, there are inevitably uh, uh, delays and there are issues and timetabling um, uh, challenges. So you never know until fairly late in the day whether that is going to be possible because, of course, all the senior members of the royal family, their, their diaries get incredibly full. So, again, this is why it's so important to liaise at, at, at such an early stage with the Lord Lieutenant's office who sort of manage all the calls from the county on, on the royal family's time and can sometimes, as they did in fact with our visit, coordinate it with other visits. It works very much uh, most, more efficiently if, if the member of the royal family, whoever they are, can combine you know, one visit in an area with a number of other and things. And so with us, the Queen unveiled the statue of um, uh, herself uh, at the top of Newmarket uh, High Street and then came down to the uh, National Horse Racing Museum and opened our new site. Um, but there were a number of engagements in the area. And it must be an understatement to say that you had a, a lot of meetings with councils, <laughs> schools and other organisations planning the day. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, none of these visits uh, is a sort of spur of the moment uh, phenomenon, and particularly with with the head of state, you have a whole sort of extra level of of uh, coordination to to be involved. And as I say, it was then decided that this would be the visit day that Her um, Majesty the Queen, in a sense, came to Suffolk in her um, birthday year. So immediately a whole lot of additional protocols were clicked into place. So when she came to the museum, there was a whole very sort of formal level of introduction. So it was people like the High Sheriff, I think it was the Bishop, it was the MP. It was um, a whole sort of hierarchy of people who were formally presented. And what was also rather fun was we were able to then invite all the mayors from Suffolk and their, 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 their um, spouses. So when uh, the Queen came into the first courtyard at the back of the building, which is the 
Rothschild Yard, where, where the remaining racehorses are, um, she was immediately confronted with practically every mayor and their partner from, from, from Suffolk, which was rather fun. But the, the, the reality is that, you know, you want to open the event to as many people as possible. But inevitably, what happens is a, a, a really quite difficult balance between that and at the same time keeping it under control. I mean, I think we ended up in the end with about 300 to 400 invited guests. Now, that's quite apart from the people that then stood in the sort of public areas. But luckily, because of the five acre site, we were able to accommodate, accommodate that really very comfortably, although a lot of it had to be outside, which is why I'm so nervous about the weather. I mean, it was was November after all, <laughs> so um, many a thing could have gone wrong. Um, and, and in fact, we issued some very strict, I was very bossy in the letters that went out to the invitees that said, this will mostly be outside, there will be very little inside, please dress warmly, please bring an umbrella, and if it rains, you will get wet, <laughs> as simple as that. But um, I think one of the things that, that we felt very strongly, though, was that we wanted to, to open it up to as many people as we physically could to celebrate this momentous uh, occasion of the Queen uh, uh, coming to the, the museum. But also what you have to be slightly sensitive to is the fact of how many people can then be actually formally presented to the Queen. Because it sounds silly, but that requires uh, the, the Queen to shake hands. Um, and she was uh, 90 at the time, although very physically robust for a 90-year-old. And, and, um, but at the same time, if you think of someone having to shake, physically shake hands with, you know, we couldn't have had her shaking hands with 300 people. So we had to be very selective about that. And that involves some quite difficult discussions because obviously everybody, uh, you know, wants to meet the Queen. It might be their only um, moment of meeting her in, in, in their life. And then you have the discussion about, yes, is it partners, is it spouses, is it family? Who? So, so some of those discussions went on for some time, let's put it that way. But we tried to be... As, as, as open and at the same time as fair and balanced as possible. Because also you don't, you don't want just the fundraisers to, um, uh, to meet the Queen. You want people all across the organisation. And as you said earlier, the Queen had officially opened the statue of her with the mare and foal mm. at the top of the high street. She then came to the uh, National Horse Racing Museum. How did her day go from, from there when, when she arrived? Right. Well, well, as you say, she, she unveiled the statue and then came in sort of almost formal procession, in a sense, in the big car down down Newmarket High Street, which was absolutely crammed. You couldn't have got another person in there um, and flag waving. And it was absolutely fantastic. And then drove round to the back of the site um, where our coach park uh, is or was in my case. <laughs> and um the uh, which was where we could accommodate the cars and and, and uh, the sort of um, main uh, sort of uh, introductions to to people. I mean, what was really charming? We we worked quite closely with All Saints Primary School, whose site backed onto ours, and I was very very keen that the pupils of of All Saints School should be involved. And in fact, we got a couple of classes. Um, of theirs to actually come up right to where the Queen got out of her her, her car, 
Um, and it was absolutely sweet. They were, they can't have been more than sort of five or six year olds. And they all sang the national anthem. Um, uh, it, it, and we were, we were placed around the corner waiting for the Queen to come in. And all we could hear was the, the All Saints uh, primary school children singing. Oh, it was just the sweetest thing you've ever, ever heard. Um, it was absolutely gorgeous. One of my abiding memories of the day. Um, and then the, the, then the Queen came round, um, uh, was, was introduced. So f- uh, to begin with, she was introduced to people by um, the Lord Lieutenant of, of Suffolk, who was, um, or is Claire, Countess of Euston, who is absolutely lovely and, and, and was so helpful in uh, us organising the day. Um, and then she, uh, in a sense, gave the Queen over to Peter Jensen, the Chairman of the Trustees, and I was in, uh, introduced. And then um, Peter and I escorted the Queen around the site. Um, and the first thing was in the Rothschild uh, yard, we uh, introduced her to one of her ex-race horses, a barber's shop. Um, and she was absolutely delighted. I mean, you could say one of the extra, I mean, I'm sure she makes an effort to look interested in anything she opens, but you just knew with the, with, with the racehorses, she was absolutely on sort of home turf and, and, and loved every minute of it. Um, and funnily enough, it was, the, it was the only moment in the day when I saw her team from the uh, private secretary's office look a little bit worried when she was being introduced to the um, uh, to, to barbershop because I just could read their minds it's all oh, Lord I hope we don't uh, lose the schedule because she was absolutely enchanted when she fed fed barbershop carrots and and, and uh, no it was really really charming yeah because barbershop for listeners was seventh in the uh, I was looking up seventh in the Cheltenham Gold Cup in 2009 yeah, um, and and is a classic example of, a, of 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 how thoroughbreds can be retrained for a life beyond racing, and and that's what the ROR, the Retraining Racehorses Yard, is all about. Is 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 showing that um, there is a life uh, beyond racing, and how very effectively racehorses can be retrained for polo and eventing and and hacking. Um, this sort of uh, you know the cliche of the flighty thoroughbred that can't ever be calmed down is is absolute nonsense. If retrained correctly, as the ROR have developed a very, very effective system of doing, they can make very good good horses for other purposes. You mentioned the Rothschild Yard, and I, I thought I'd bring a bit of history in here because the Rothschilds yeah. were the people who purchased or bought the, uh, the stables off the crown. Yes, in the mid-19th century. I mean, it, the, the crown was disposing of or trying to dispose of the palace from about 1819, but it rumbled on for a number of years. Um, I don't think there was agreement about whether they were going to get rid of it. Eventually, the site was uh, properly, if you like, sold off in the um, late 1850s. And uh, a few years later, was, was, was purchased by a member of the Rothschild family and then became the, the, the Rothschild racing base in Newmarket throughout the second half of the 19th and, and first half of the 20th century. Um, and in fact, it was Leopold Rothschild who built a new yard onto the back of the site in 1903, which probably doubled the number of, of, of horse boxes. And of course, he was very much in the uh, racing set with Edward VII at that time, who was uh, racing out of um, or training out of Edgerton House or having his horses trained out of Edgerton House at the other end of, of Newmarket. And so, and in fact, actually, um, in a sense, I suspect that's why the final portion of Charles II's racing palace over the road actually survived. It's because it was uh, redeveloped um, by the Rothschild family as, as their house. 
And so whereas the rest of the palace was pulled down, it, it uh, survived into the 20th century. And, and that's what, what Palace House now is, has been returned to its form as it was um, sort of at the end of its, its first incarnation as a royal palace. And from the Rothschild Yard, the Queen then moved into the King's Yard, because I know she went into the simulator room to see uh, one of my friends, Frank Conlon, where also Pat Cosgrave was on the simulator. Yes, no, absolutely. And um, it was very funny because um, uh, Frank was a bit naughty. I mean, the Queen was very, very relaxed and and, um, he offered her a go on the simulator and she roared with laughter and said, no, perhaps not this time. But uh, again, all, all through the, the, the two uh, yards, there were um, uh, guests standing in the sunshine. Um, I mean, it was wonderful, the sort of clapping. And, and, and we had a, a prescribed route that we were taking and uh, showed us some of the galleries on the, um, on the ground floor of the um, King's Yard. And then that's where the formal um, unveiling, if you like, of, of, of the um, uh, sort of dedicatory commemorative uh, plaque uh, took place. That's not where it now is. It was then recited into the main atrium, but the, the, right next to actually the, um, the shop and, and the uh, uh, ticket desk. But that's, uh, there wasn't the space there. So because, uh, again, as I say, we wanted as many people as possible to take part we had the unveiling in the um, King's Yard where we could get the maximum number of people. And the Queen also went into the shop because I think she was presented with a new market monopoly set. Yes, no, absolutely. So, so we then walked her through the, the, the cafe where a lot of the um, museum volunteers were actually uh, assembled. And that was lovely because, of course, the volunteers were the absolute sort of core of being able to run the uh, museum, particularly on the news site where, where we were sort of covering five, five acres. Um, and then we, we, we uh, showed her the, the new shop. Um, and uh, it's funny, in the, you talk about the sort of pre-planning. We had obviously a number of visits from the private sector's uh, office and walked them around the site as well. And we said, um, do you think the Queen, you know, Her Majesty would like to see the shop? And they said, oh, yes, I, I think so. I mean, you can just show it to her. And then um, we said, well, again, would, should we, you know, would, would, would she like to be presented with something? And they sort of said, well, yeah, can we? Ever. Um, and so we thought what would be lovely would be just to say, well, actually, would you uh, consider accepting the gift of, of a set of, of New Market Monopoly, which was the special commemorative edition that had been made. And instead of hotels on uh, sort of odd properties, it was um, trainers yards and things and all the trainers in New Market were, were it's a wonderful, wonderful version. And, I don't know whether, uh, you know, one thought she might just politely say yes or politely decline and say, say no, thank you very much. And she was very keen. She said, oh, yes, I think the grandchildren would love that. And that was a lovely moment because obviously it's the Queen, you know, as our head of state at the time. And, and at the same time, the, 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 you felt the real person was coming out at that point. Uh, so that, that was charming as well. Well, let's hope they've been playing it at Buckingham Palace. <laughs> it was quite funny. A few, I, I think, at the end of that year, they published a list of all the presents that she'd been given uh, uh, during her her ninetieth birthday year. And I think because of the sort of um, interest in horse racing, I think we topped the list, or one of the sort of top ten that was mentioned, because it, I think it captured people's imagination. But you then moved across to Palace House. Uh, which is the home of British sporting art. And again, just picking up on the history, you've mentioned a bit of this before, but this is the third 
Royal Palace site um, in Newmarket. Yeah. Yes, the, the, the first sort of what's always been described as a hunting lodge was, was built for James I in 1609. And that's slightly for on the site a site slightly um, further down the high street. Um, and um, in fact, it was a fairly shoddy building, we think, because in 1613, it actually fell down around the king's ears. Um, there's a wonderful account of him being dragged out in the middle of the night as the lintels broke and the windows exploded outwards because I think it was basically a bad case of substance. Um, but uh, whether there's a bit of exaggeration in the telling. But anyway, the, the, cut a long story short, from 1613 to 1625, quite a large amount of money was poured into building a, a sort of second palace on that same site. But that then mostly was pulled down in the 1650s under the parliamentary regime, under Cromwell. And then when Charles II re-establishes Newmarket, as a base for racing in the 1660s, having been restored to the throne, uh, he chooses to build what you might describe as the third royal palace on a slightly different site further up the high street. And it's a small portion of King's lodgings of that palace um, that was built between 1668 and 1671 that has survived in the form of Palace House. So, and that's, yes, as you say, that's the home for the British Sporting Art Trust's uh, collections. Um, and, and wonderfully, a number of paintings, um, sporting art paintings were presented to the Tate um, in uh, London through the auspices of the British Sporting Art Trust and now in a sense have, have, have uh, an appropriate permanent uh, home with uh, the, the Palace House in Newmarket. It's the obvious place for, the, if you like, the national collection of British sporting art. I mean, Newmarket is a town that's got racing in its DNA. Um, the reason that racing developed in Newmarket was it emerges out of a, a court culture, a private challenge amongst members of the court riding out against each other. So it's the perfect uh, a combination of the National Horse Racing Museum and what I've always regarded as the national holding of, of British sporting art. And um, you've got some fabulous yeah. paintings in there. Fabulous paintings in the, Yes, I mean, the... the, the has to be said, it's it's a mixture of the British Sporting Art Trust's own collections, which are are, are, are fantastic, and very generous loans from from the the, the Tate in London, um, and indeed a number of loans from private uh, uh, collections. And so it's uh, it's brought together a really um, representative uh, collection of of British sporting art. Um, and in fact, actually, there's a, there's a wonderful loan from the Victoria and Albert Museum of a painted. Uh, folded painted screen and each panel is a different um, uh, sport um, and that was one of the primary objects that we showed to uh, uh, the Queen when she came on, on on her visit as we showed her around the collections. Um, presumably the Queen was very impressed with the paintings in Palace House. Oh absolutely and very interested in, in, in the um, uh, detail. I mean I think there's often a sort of cliche that the Queen was interested in racing and, and not much else. And it's just so untrue. I mean, she had a very, very um, inquisitive uh, mind and almost encyclopedic uh, knowledge because she'd been exposed to so many um, subjects and, and was absolutely fascinated by, by the paintings. And I think that's, I think what makes British sporting art so, so interesting is the social history that you see in the works. And, and she was fascinated at, at, at some of the details that we were, we were pointing out. 
In fact, one of the one of the funny things from a personal point of view, in terms of going up to the collections, which are predominantly on the first floor in Palace House in, in Newmarket, was that um, the Queen, unfortunately, at that point, uh, was beginning to to suffer slight mobility issues, um, and so uh, the answer was obviously to take her up in the lift. Um, but I had this awful, awful kind of. Um, panic that I might go down in history as the person who had got the Queen stuck in a lift. And so one of the precautions we had gone to was to um, ask for a lift engineer to be on site, just in case if, God forbid, the worst had happened, we had someone immediately to sort the situation uh, out. Um, and uh, the poor chap hadn't been told ahead of time that this was why we were asking for him. So he arrived <laughs> thinking he was just coming to do a normal sort of inspection of, of the lift. Um, and I had to say, no, 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 that was done last week. We think we're fine, but explain the situation. And he was hidden under the staircase <laughs> just next to the lift. So that if anything had gone wrong, he could leap out immediately and sort the situation out. But thankfully, nothing um, uh, uh, occurred. But the lift was nevertheless quite small. And so it could only accommodate two people, the um, Queen and um, uh, the Lord Lieutenant, uh, the Countess of, of, of Euston. And so myself and the um, Chairman of the Trustees had to put the Queen into the lift and then run up the stairs and meet her at the doors when she came out. <laughs> it must, I suspect, from her point of view, look very, very funny as we were trying not to look as if we just run up the stairs behind her. <laughs> You must have been pleased when the door opened. She didn't get stuck in the lift, so that was that was um, a cute moment. Yeah, you must have been pleased when the door opened in the lift. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I hate it bad. Nothing had ever gone wrong with it before, so I wasn't sort of risking risking Her Majesty the Queen in a in a perilous situation. But you just have that awful moment where you think, what happens if it? You know, what would we do if it did go wrong? And at that point, I thought, no, we're having an engineer on site. <laughs> And touching on history, you mentioned him earlier, Edward VII, uh, the Queen's great-grandfather. He used to stay at Palace House because he was friends with the Rothschild family. Well, yes. In fact, he didn't stay there for, uh, as far as I know, he used to stay um, in the Jockey Club rooms, um, just, you know, up the, uh, up the high street. But he often used to dine with, with the Rothschilds. Um, and so he would he would um, go to Palace House. And in fact, there was quite a nice uh, story about that in that the police uh, got rather um, fed up with having to police uh, quite large crowds. And I think in fact, um, Edward VII himself, he regarded this as a sort of a private visit. And I think everybody got a bit fed up with, with everybody sort of uh, pitching up. Um, and so a couple of times the police let it slip that the king was going to dine with, with um, the Rothschilds. And in fact, then he didn't. And so people then got bored with turning up and waiting for when he wasn't going to turn up. And so it dealt with the crowds. And then from that point on, I think he was able to go sort of really uh, fairly, um, fairly regularly without a great hullabaloo. And I think that's an important thing to remember is there's a difference between sort of, you know, the, the private life of, of, of the royal family and, and, and their public persona. And, and, and that's why what was so um, was such a privilege was to have the Queen coming in her formal role um, and and the visit to Newmarket being the thing that she did in her 90th birthday year for, for the county. So we were very lucky to be chosen. I've got to ask you, but were you nervous 
<laughs> yes, I mean, I think anyone that says they're not nervous um, when, when, when meeting a queen or a senior member of the royal family, but particularly the monarch, I think is telling you a fib. Um, of, of course, I was nervous. I mean, apart from anything else, it's not just, I mean, they always spend in, in a huge effort to, to make one feel at, at ease. Um, and, and as I said, once I was walking Queen around the site, I have to say, yes, I, I got into the rhythm of it and, and, and wasn't, uh, I, I think, sort of nervous at the time. But in the lead up to it, you, you are. And, and as I say, there's always a sort of voice at the back of your head sort of thinking what, what possibly could, could go wrong. But it's a very well-practiced routine. I mean, what you've always got to remember is this is, you know, maybe the one and only time you do it. But for them and the system and the private sector's office, you know, they have seen this you know, this is what they do. This is their job. Um, and it's a very smooth uh, operation. Um, but, I, I, you know, I've been lucky enough. Uh, I had the privilege of meeting the Queen on a number of occasions before this. Um, but even then, um, one feels, you know, you, you can't pretend not to be nervous. And how did you feel at the end of the day? Oh, ecstatic! I mean, a huge relief in a sense once once it, it, it's it's over. But I mean, it's absolutely uh, magical. And I think what's lovely is is that they have a system of pooling um, photographers. So there's an official photographer that, that who, who um, accompanies you around the site. And so, even though actually I was with the Queen for for over an hour, it goes past in in an absolute flash. So what's always been lovely is to see some of the photographs, and of course these. You, you you see things in the photographs that you didn't see um, at at the time. I mean, one <laughs> one thing I slightly regret is, although it was a beautiful day, it was quite um, uh, cold, um, and I put a jumper on under my my suit jacket uh, in the run up as we were, we were getting the site ready because we all had to be on site from from you know really quite early in, in the morning, um, and I'd forgotten to take it off. <laughs> before the Queen arrived. So I look a little less than slick because I'm wearing sort of woolly jumper under my suit. But but at the same time, I think I think I probably got away with it. And have recent events following the, the Queen's death on the 8th of September brought the day back to you recently? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think um, it was uh, extraordinary to realise one had witnessed, you know, a tiny moment in history and, and uh, to, to be able to say um, that I've been part of uh, a project that had, had manifested itself in, in uh, you know, the, the, the Queen coming to, to open the um, new museum um, and being part of that sort of wider celebration for, for Newmarket and for the county. And, um, no, I mean, it was very, very touching. I mean, I was lucky enough after the um, uh, the visit to be invited to a garden party um, at Buckingham Palace to represent the museum there. I think it's a sort of, not exactly a thank you, but it's, it's, it's a sort of acknowledgement of, of what's um, uh, happened. And, and, and that was that was charming. And, and um, I, I, I wasn't presented uh, to the Queen at that, uh, on that occasion, but I thought that was fair dues because it's probably <laughs> other people's opportunity. But um, then I did actually go down myself to, to uh, witness the lying in state. I, I was going down to London 
than anyway on the Wednesday when um, it first started in, in uh, Westminster Hall. Now, I toyed with you know, the report that we might be sort of 12, 20 hour queues. Um, so I thought, well, I'll pop down to see what the queue is like. And at that point, they were saying it might be about five hours. And it was a beautiful evening. So I, I queued with everybody along the Thames. So it was absolutely charming. And, and we were sort of chatting to people. In fact, it ended up being an eight hour uh, queue. Um, but that was extraordinary because I actually ended up going through Westminster Hall um, uh, at about one o'clock in the morning with an utterly magical feel to, to the place. Uh, London was utterly, you know, quiet, um, extraordinarily atmospheric. And whilst there was sort of good humour and chat uh, in the uh, queue uh, leading up to it, the moment everybody got, or anybody got, got close to the hall, a completely different atmosphere sort of settled on, on, on the place. And it was a profoundly moving experience. And I felt, although I'm no longer at the museum, that, that I was sort of half as representing the museum on, on, on that occasion. Um, and, and it was a profoundly uh, moving scene. Uh, and I, I was extremely lucky, uh, again, fortunate, just as I entered Westminster Hall at the top of the steps, facing um, uh, the Her Majesty's Coffin, uh, the, uh, uh, they, they, they sort of banged the floor and there was one of the changing of the guard. And so they stopped the line. And so for about five minutes, I was able, I stood at the top of the steps with this extraordinary scene in front of me, a sort of uninterrupted view of, of what was going on. And, and it was really a sort of spine chingling moment. I mean, you sort of feel the hairs on the back of the neck stand up. And, and I, I was really touched. It was, it was extraordinarily touching to see how moved people were. And my abiding memory is not merely standing and watching the uh, the changing of the guard. But when I had uh, passed uh, the, the coffin and was, was leaving, there was no hurry. I mean, some of the news reports gave the impression that one queued for hours and then had a couple of seconds in there. Not at all. I mean, everybody just walked at a very steady pace. But once you passed the coffin, nobody uh, rushed you out. You could take as much time as you, you wanted. And I just stood looking back at Westminster Hall in a way that one, I think, it's unlikely to ever see it again. It, it, it was, uh, and well, let's say, hopefully not for a long time. And, and, and it was a profoundly moving experience. I'm very, very glad I, I did it. Um, and there's no doubt that all the time I was, I was doing it, the memories of the day in Newmarket were coming back to me. Thank you very much for that, Chris. Um, I went to see the flowers in Green Park. And talking about flowers, we also had so many flowers laid at the you know, the sculpture of um, the Queen with the Mare and Foal in Newmarket. No, absolutely. And, and I was uh, fortunate enough to, uh, very lucky to um, sit on the committee that uh, was part of organising the, the, um, uh, the statue of, of, of the Queen, sort of commemorate her lifelong interest in the sport and her support of, of horse racing. Um, and if I'm entirely honest, at the back of my uh, one's mind, you always sort of think, oh, are we forcing this? Is, is, is it something that people really want? Will it be something that people just sort of think, oh, well, okay, for, you know, so that's, that's that. And I thought it was really gratifying, actually, to see how it became the focus of people's 
um, sort of commemoration and wanting to lay flowers at it and record their appreciation for for um, uh, the late Queen. And and it was just a, a personal sort of satisfaction at that moment. I think, yeah, I think, again, just as the museum is, is an extraordinary legacy, I, I, I thought what was very touching was to see how the statue at that, the, uh, up near the race course had become a focus for people's wish to mark the passing of such an extraordinary person. Well, thank you for that, uh, Chris. Thank you again for joining me on the paddock and the pavilion to recall the day when Queen Elizabeth II visited Newmarket, Suffolk, the National Horse Racing Museum on Thursday, the 3rd of November 2016. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for asking me. It's been, it's been lovely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Paddock and the Pavilion. You can download the show on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at The Pad and Pad. Don't forget, if you like the show, please do leave us a rating and review. Sports Social Podcast Network.